was just a such a deep move of the presence of the Lord in this place. And uh, there, there, are, there are some things that we need to do and we will do if I end up having to do them by myself. But I, I don't feel like we're supposed to disrupt what's going on in this sanctuary to do all of that right now. So we're, we're going to get to that in a little while, but you can make your way back to your seats. Remain standing if you would. I, uh, I, you know, some of you know this, and maybe for those of you that may not know this, let me just, let me just say this. I, I'm, I'm not saying that perhaps every single time you can clearly identify it, but there are at least for me, going into the, the three times we get together for services each week, there is, a, there is a pretty specific focus going into that service. Sunday mornings, the primary focus and goal of that service, that's when we have the, tend to have the most guests, most first-time guests. And so the ministry is intended to be ministry preaching that is relevant to them. I don't I don't mean seeker friendly that's just you know sugary fluffy nothing but it's things that apply to them. Sunday night is geared more towards the church and then Thursday nights tends to be teaching and things along the lines of growing and deepening your walk with God, ministry, etc. And so, again, I'm not saying that every time you come to service, you may walk away going, wow, it was very clear that was. But that is, that's the ultimate overarching principle. And, and uh, I, I like, you know, Sunday nights is oftentimes when I get to just rear back and preach. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I enjoy that. But I feel like in some ways what I have this evening, it feels a little more like it's for a Thursday night, but I I just know uh, it's what I've felt for several days for tonight and can't get away. So I, I, and and definitely uh, if if it goes the way I'm anticipating, it'll, it'll fit fine with the mood and the atmosphere here. Um, so I, I don't I don't know that I'm here to to preach to you tonight. This may end up being just sort of talking. Uh, but but I I believe that that the the great majority of you here tonight. In fact, I'll say it this way: I, I I'm I'm pretty confident that just about every person in this place tonight has a genuine, sincere desire for your walk with God. Your commitment to the kingdom of God. I didn't say church because church is a part of the kingdom. They're not. They're not one and the same. They're not synonymous. The kingdom of God is bigger than church. And so, I, I believe just about all of you here tonight are not interested. You 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 don't want to just go through the motions of this. 
That doesn't mean you and I always get it right. It doesn't mean we always do it the way we should. It doesn't mean we're always as passionate and intense about it as we should be. But, but the hunger is there. So I just, I, I just feel to talk to you about something tonight that I just, I feel like it's very important. And I feel, I really believe if, if some of you would take this to heart tonight and let the Lord help you apply it in your life, that it could bring about some very significant transformation in your life. So I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, uh, more verses than I normally read at the beginning, but if you'll just stand with me for a few moments, then you can you can be seated. But Genesis chapter one. I'm going to start reading with verse number nine, and most of you know offhand this is this is the account of creation. But the bottom line is this, especially in the Old Testament. If all you ever do is just read the Old Testament from sort of a literal sense of what it's saying or talking about, you are you're really missing the more significant part of it. <laughs> because while there is a literal natural element of what it's talking about, those things happened. It it's really for you and I today it's about the spiritual principles and applications of it. God is the originator of the object lesson. And there's so much of what he did naturally. In fact, I think everything God created naturally, the way he did it was intentionally created to teach us some kind of a spiritual lesson. So Genesis 1 verse number 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed, after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also and god said and god set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and god saw that it was good in the evening and the morning were the fourth day and god said let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them and said, 
God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Two more verses. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth, after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. I want to talk to you for a little bit this evening about environment. Environment. God, your presence is in this place in such a deep way. We're not running aisles and rolling around on the floor and shaking all over the place. But your power is no less in this place. Your spirit is no less working and moving. God, I pray that what you have been doing in the first part of this service would continue. God, that there would be a genuine divine work and move of your spirit in each one of our lives as we allow you to as we open our hearts to receive what it is you would say and yield ourselves to what it is you would desire to do in this place tonight i pray god that you would speak to us i pray god that you would speak to us god i don't want to just fill time in this service as a ritual or an obligation or a duty or a habit but i want to be a vessel that you can speak through that you can flow through I pray, God, that there would be ears in this place tonight that are open to hear, hearts that are open to receive. That there would be a work of your Spirit that is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I I have a time or two I know throughout the last several years I've touched on or preached about to some degree or other, really kind of the gist of what I feel this evening, but I just have not been able to get away from it. So I want you to notice, I'll kind of give you, not that it's the punchline, but let me just kind of give you the, the, the punchline or part of the punchline. I want you to notice in the account of creation and the part of it that we just read, that God first created the environment for the thing to live in before He created the thing. Before He said, let there be whales and fish and all of that, there had to be an environment for them to live in. Before the grass could grow and the fruit tree could yield its fruit, there had to be an environment. And as you know, this is no deep revelation here. It's pretty simple. Even our youngest of attendees here tonight can have a bit of an idea of this. But but fish need a certain environment to live in. If I if if we had a a fish 
in a bowl up here tonight that was swimming around in, in its environment and everything was good. It had everything it needed in that environment. If we were to take the fish out of that environment and just sit it on a seat next to one of you, Some of you would get the Holy Ghost and start dancing and shouting. Maybe we ought to bring some fish to church. But it would not take very long for what was a healthy fish to begin to die and in a matter of moments die all because it was in a wrong environment. The Britannica Dictionary says that an environment is the conditions that surround someone or something. It is the condition and in conditions and influences that affect the growth, health, progress, etc. of someone or something. For living things to grow and thrive and be what they're supposed to be, They've got to be in the right environment. I hold, I didn't even notice what these were called until Brother Isaac pointed out. I have narcissists here. Who knew you could grow narcissists? I, I, I've got... They look more like just daffodils, so we're going to call them daff or ice follies. Right, right there in this in this little bag is the potential for what's on the picture. It's all right there. Everything needed to produce what's on that picture is in the palm of my hand. But it's not happening. These have been in our house for weeks. Maybe even months. And there is still everything needed to grow what's on that picture. But as long as this is the environment, it will never become what it has the potential to be. The only way for this to become what it can be, it's got to get in the right environment. Got to be in the right environment. You may be able to swim like a fish, but you ain't a fish. I saw the other day, an article the other day, I've, I've come across some videos of it in the past, I think on National Geographic, but there, there's people that, that they do, uh, I, I don't remember the exact way it's phrased, but they do deep sea diving, free dive, thank you, free dive. And they, they, they go down as far as they can without any oxygen, any tanks or anything. And so a couple of days ago, a guy was trying to break the free dive record. And I mean, they go down like hundreds of feet. I don't even go an inch under. 
they go down and, 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 and this guy got, I don't remember, I don't know how far he got down. I didn't read it that closely, but he got a ways down and, and passed out. And thankfully, he's surrounded by several divers that have equipment on. And so they immediately get a hold of him, and they're shooting him to the top. Because while he may have worked to try to train himself, he was... I might end up, actually. I didn't think I was going to preach, but I feel it coming on here. The problem was he was trying to live in an environment... That he was not created to live in. And therefore had to be rescued from that environment. Otherwise he would have lost his life. Now this is Sunday night. And this is the more of the committed crowd. Your, your deacon's role and leadership's role in your life. Is not supposed to have to be constantly trying to rescue you. From environments that you are trying to live in. That you weren't made to live in. Mm. Do you know what roadkill is? I preached about roadkill a while ago. Do you know what roadkill is? The essence of roadkill is something is trying to live in an environment that it wasn't created to live in. When a pedestrian gets hit by a car, everything stops. Because that's not the norm. And for a whole lot of other reasons as well, everything stops. How many of you saw roadkill somewhere on the way to church tonight? Did you stop, pull over, mourn it? No. Poor deer. Poor squirrel. The reason it's there is it was trying to navigate an environment that it was not created for. As adults, you know, if I'm standing on the curb and I'm getting ready to cross, I got to look both ways. And if I'm in America... The first way I look is left and then right. And then I usually look left again and probably right one more time. I don't get out in the middle of the street and go, oh, something bigger than me is coming. Poor squirrels in my neighborhood. I don't know how they don't just simply fall over and die of a heart attack. They get out in the middle of that road and here I come in my big old SUV. I don't know how squirrels' brains work the same way as human brains work if they think like we think. But if they do, that dude's like, do I keep going or do I go back? Should I just stay or should I go? Sometimes it 
thinking doesn't last very long because you hear thump. Problem is, this is not an environment where you're supposed to just visit. The struggle that some of you are having, you're trying to live in environments that you weren't created to live in. And until you change the environment, you're never going to thrive in your walk with God and in your relationship with God. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, or but of incorruptible, it doesn't say seed, but it's implied, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. In the same way that I hold within my hand the potential for ice follies. Everything needed for life and life more abundantly is right there. But the problem is some of you got it in environments that it wasn't made for. You can't put this in an environment that's mixed in with all kind of other garbage and junk. Part of this tonight started a little bit over a week ago after my wife and I had been in a situation and we were kind of talking about it a little bit afterwards and she was making the point. You can, you can, you can, Sit here tonight and worship and pray. And if I, if I don't know how the ending will go, but if we give an altar call, you can come down here to the altar and pray. But if you go home to an environment that you were not made to live in, if you go home and veg out on something, you're talking good, Pastor. You're talking good. If you go home and fellowship with stuff that as a child of God you have no business fellowshipping with, it doesn't matter how much potential there is, it's got to be in the right environment. You know what we have been feeling in the beginning of this service tonight? An environment. A hunger. A desire. I said it. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I we 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 did friendsgiving at our house, and because the, the married couples, married kids were going to be at other places for Thanksgiving Day, and so Saturday before we did friendsgiving, full Thanksgiving meal spread. And Esther had brought 
some a carrot cake thing. You want to try it, Dad? Sure. All I needed to try was one bite. That's all I needed to try. The problem was she handed me a whole piece. I don't think you need to let that whole piece go to waste. I sat down at that table and made it through a plate of food. I'm at Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, I'm usually a two-plate guy at least. The problem is my, my appetite had been squelched. You, 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 you can watch it. You can stand up here and watch. You know, spiritual gifts are very important. Spiritual discernment is very important. But sometimes you don't need spiritual discernment. Sometimes you don't need the gifts. All you need your eyes. Because when we're feeling what we were feeling in here earlier, we were feeling that tug and that pull, and you see people that are absolutely, completely disconnected. I don't need some gift of the Spirit to go, Something, something's not quite on there. I may need the gift to figure out what it is, but I don't need the gift to tell me something's... Because when you're in the right environment, and you're in the environment not only that you're supposed to be in, but the one you are trying to cultivate, you, you, you almost can't help... When, when, when the environment in your life is what it's supposed to be, you don't have to force yourself to worship. You, you don't have to force yourself to respond. In fact, it's, it's actually the opposite. When you're living in the environment you're supposed to be in, when your life is the environment it's supposed to be, when you're in the atmosphere of the presence of God, you, you've got to work to not respond. Listen to, listen to what Jesus says in Luke 8, and I know you, many of you are familiar with this passage, but Luke 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, and other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, be, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe and in, ti- in, a, in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. 
But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. And verse 18 says this, Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Some other translations say it this way, Be careful how you hear or listen. Now, oftentimes, this passage gets used to say that it has to do with sinners and people that we're trying to reach. So there's three-quarters of them are not good ground. But he says to his disciples, remember in verse number uh, verse number 9, his disciples ask him, saying what this parable means. And so it's in response to the disciples that he says to the disciples, be careful how you hear. So while I believe you can apply it to the unsaved, the first application, the primary application of this parable is to you and I as saved people. That you and I have to be mindful how we hear. Whether it's preaching and teaching in a service or it's our own personal time of study and reading the Word of God or whatever whatever other applications and ways in which you are putting the Word of God in, you have to be careful how you hear. The interesting thing is this. There's nothing that's said about the three negative types of ground that references whether or not the soil could produce what the seed was. The issue was not the, what's the word I'm looking for with the condition, the health of the soil? Maybe it's condition and health of the soil. The, the, the issue wasn't if it was good soil. The issue was what, what was in the ground, what was, what was left in the ground. Perhaps the first one is the one that maybe the ground was not capable at all because it was so hardened, the seed never had an opportunity. And the enemy comes along and he steals away the word and it never produces anything. But the next two kinds of ground, something began to grow from the seed. And again, the issue was not the soil. The issue was what was going on in that ground. The one being the stony ground. We've got some folks here from the Northeast and a bunch of people that have been to the Northeast at some point. If you've ever been up there, there's other places, but that's one of the places where it seems to be pretty common. You can drive through, especially the countryside, and you can see fields that are lined with stone rock fences. They didn't, they didn't go down to Homestead Gardens and buy rocks to make fences. They had stony ground. They had stony ground 
fertile. That's the word I'm looking for. They had stony ground that they needed to be fertile ground. And they understood, I can change the environment of this ground. And they dug out the rocks. And now they can grow crops. Where before something wouldn't grow. And the same thing with the thorny ground. Been a while since I've talked about them, so I need to talk about them and check off the list again. But on the left side of our yard, down the fence, the property line on the left side, there's there's some shrubbery and there's some trees that at one point must have been absolutely gorgeous. And now in the summertime, at certain seasons, if you look close, you'll see some some flowers in there that have bloomed. But they're hard to find because they've been overgrown. That's not because there's an issue with the ground. The issue is somebody didn't do their job in taking care and protecting what was supposed to grow and taking out what was not supposed to grow. Let me read it. I, I, I'm still, you know, the message Bible is still the go-to, but the Passion Translation has got some good stuff. So, Verse 9 in the Passion Translation. Later, his disciples came to him privately to ask him what deeper meaning they could find in this parable. He said, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those without a listening heart, my words are merely stories. That's a powerful statement. To those without a listening heart, my words are just stories. To those without a listening heart, preaching and teaching... Is just words. How are you hearing? How are you hearing? You're sitting there hearing tonight, not because of me, not because of anything about me, but are you sitting there right now and, and the way you're hearing is, is you're, you're, you're soaking up every word that's being said. You're, 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 you're taking it into your spirit. You're, 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 you're figuratively on the edge of your seat as you're listening. Or are you... Well, surely he's... Surely he's about to get the runway. I, I you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to fellowship with a few people. I'd like to talk to a few people before I leave. Surely he's, he's how are you hearing? I, I don't mean this offensively, and I don't mean this to sound callous or harsh, but how you're hearing is not my problem. It's not my job. It's not my response. I have a responsibility if I'm the one teaching or preaching. I have a responsibility to hear. But how you hear, it's on you. Well, I've heard that before. 
you must be one of those people that it's good enough for you for somebody to tell you they love you one time and you don't ever need to hear it again. Some of the things we've heard before that are some of the common things that we really need to hear again and again and again because there's an environment that you and I have got to maintain. But to those without a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Verse 11. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of those who hear the word of God, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seeds falling on gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterward, when a season of difficulty and harassment of the enemy comes to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. Well, that was a great message. Go to the altar, great response, great move of God. But then you walk out of here and find out, wait a minute, everything is not magically changed in my world. And when there's some difficulty and some harassment from the enemy, just wither and fall away. The seeds that fall into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. Can I tell you, I believe the place where the majority of dedicated believers are most likely to struggle with is that type of ground right there. You hear the Word. You even respond to the Word. You even start to apply the Word. But life... The pleasures of life, the riches of this world, anxious cares, all of those things begin to choke out the seed. And what was a healthy seed is not allowed to mature and reach the place of fruitfulness that it's supposed to reach. You you know what I think a lot of... Believers do, disciples, Christians, saints, whatever term you want to use. <laughs> they, they, they go to church, they go to settings where the Word of God is being ministered, where the seed of the Word of God is being sown, and, and, and it gets sown, and, and, and they, they put it in the ground, but then they go home, and throughout the week, they just start digging it all up. And then you come back the next week and start all over again. Because life, things, some of you would be great men and women of God if it wasn't for the cares of life. Some of you would be some giants of the faith if it wasn't for the stuff you love to watch. 
going to stay talking. Some of you would be some powerful men and women of God, but you're not willing to give up the stuff you like to read. So you got stuff that's trying to grow, good stuff that's trying to grow. But it's constantly being choked out. Some of you are on the verge of quitting and giving up. Hear me tonight. I don't know who you are, but there's there's, there's somebody here tonight. You are are so close to giving up. And, and, And if you're not careful, you're going to wrongly accuse the word of God and God. Because you aren't being careful how you hear. There's no magical dust that falls from the vents here. I'm I'm very sorry to tell you. Because I'm very disappointed about this. But there are no Clark Kent to Superman transformations in the kingdom of God. You don't step into a phone booth as one person and step out as something completely different. You got to get on the wheel. The potter's wheel. And you got to let him shape you and mold you and press on you and push you and work things out of you and sit you on the shelf for a while and put you in the fire for a while because He knows the different things that are needed for you to become everything that you are supposed to be. But you've got to be willing to do your part to maintain the environment that is needed so that what God's part is able to do what God's part is. The seeds that fell in the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This was why they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. The Passion Translation says, verse 18, So pay careful attention to your hearts as you listen to my teaching." Pay careful attention to your heart, that your heart is the right environment for the seed of the Word of God. I've said it a couple times to you over the last couple of months, trying to be transparent in the effort of hopefully trying to help somebody. But 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 there was a, there's, there's a few areas where I've been I've been struggling. I've been struggling in my mind. I've been struggling with my faith. And and the bottom line was I was allowing things. I was choosing to read some things and watch some things. And I, I'm not talking about movies and TV. I'm talking about different preachers and different speakers that that I was allowing things. I was choosing to allow things into my heart. I was not being careful how I was hearing. 
There's plenty of other areas in my life that still need some growth and improvement. But I can tell you that I have noticed a significant change in what's going on in here the last several months as I have been more careful about what and how I hear. Because I want there to be an environment that when the seed of the Word of God is sown into my heart, I don't want it to be in stony ground, and I don't want it to be in ground that's got weeds that are just going to choke it out. I want there to be an environment that it can reach maturity and be fruitful. I got a question, and I don't know, maybe it is a trick question, but I'm not really meaning it as a trick question, so you can answer. And then I may end up tricking you. So I don't know. I got I, I a question. How many of you here tonight feel like you have, you, you have, and, and, and you, some of you are already, maybe you're already kind of in it, but how many of you believe that, that you've got, you, you, you believe that you've got a calling and some of you believe that God's given you some promises of what he wants to do in your life, how he wants to use you? Anybody got any promises that, from God that, that how God's going to use you, some things he's going to do? Hold your hands up. Come on, everybody that's got something. I'm not really setting you up. Again, it might be a default setup, but I'm not trying to set you up. But I need you to, come on, you know. I don't mean wishful. I mean, there's things. Some of you got things that several different people have confirmed. Do you know what that is? That promise is a seed. That promise is a seed that contains everything. It it, it boggles my mind that within a tiny seed is everything necessary to grow an entire tree. All of the roots, all of the branches, the bark, the the leaves, or the pine cones, or the whatever else is on, and the the, the blossoms that may be on that tree, or if it's a fruit bear, all of that is in a tiny little seed. That is absolutely mind-boggling. You don't have to run to Home Depot to get longer legs. You don't have to take your baby to the, you know, to the to the warehouse to get larger body parts. It's all it's all in the seed. It was everything that I am was all in a seed. All in a it, that promise is a seed. That promise is a seed that contains everything necessary to fulfill the promise. But you gotta get it in the right environment. Just going through the motions of living for God is not the right environment. Just checking off the boxes of Christianity is not the right environment. The the, the promise is the guarantee that if you will do your part, this is what's going to happen. Man, it'd be so awesome. You get that promise and you go get your sweet tea and sit back in your recliner and say, okay, God, go ahead. doesn't work that way. 
There is an environment that is necessary for the seeds of the Word that have been planted in my life to produce. Oh, Jesus. Look, look at look, this is, in essence, what God told Adam, the responsibility that God gave Adam was protect the environment. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord creates everything, creates the garden, all that's in the garden, and He takes man, He puts him in the garden, and He tells Adam, here's your job. Dress it and keep it. Dress it and keep it. Those two words essentially mean this. To dress it means to nurture it, to care for it, to weed out the thorns, to weed out the things that don't belong, and to keep it is to protect it. It's to guard it. Everything necessary for life was in that garden. God put it all there. Somebody just had to protect the environment. Oh, Jesus. I've been doing this for 30 plus years now, and I still have to go through all kinds of mental gymnastics when I'm doing it. (laughs) Dress it and keep it. Nurture it. Care for it. Add Add the nutrients to it that are needed for what's there to grow. And, 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 and don't let things come in and damage it and steal from it. And if you will, do, if you will maintain the environment, everything necessary for life is there. Listen to what Solomon said in, in Proverbs 4.23. Keep... Your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart, guard the environment, because what you do, how you live, how you act, how you think, how you talk is a result of what gets in. Let me read this to you from another translation. Anybody want to guess the translation? The Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Guard the affections of your heart, because they affect all that you are. Guard your heart because it affects all that you do. Protect your heart. Protect the environment where the seed of the Word of God is sown because that affects everything. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flows the wellspring of life. The footnote on that says this, although most have, most translations say the issues of life, 
The Hebrew word is yada is and is actually seasons, especially springtime. So out of your heart flow the seasons of life. It is our hearts, not our ages or our circumstances, that shape the seasons of our lives. If our hearts are tender to God, we can live in a perpetual springtime. I know that was a lot. I just read a lot, and you, it's not, we don't have the Passion Translation, so you can't follow it, read along, unless you got it on your device. But I'm just telling you that. So, I'm going to read it one more time. Although most translations say the issues of life, the Hebrew word yada is actually seasons. So guard your heart because they, it affects the seasons of your life. Out of your heart flow the seasons of life. Out of all you note takers, write it down, please. Out of your heart flow the seasons of life. The seasons that I'm about to go through is a result of what's in my heart. The season I'm about to go through is the result of what's in my heart. Now, it, it, that the, the footnote says you, that you can potentially live in a perpetual springtime. I, I, I don't really agree with that because I believe no matter what you and I do, God takes us through seasons. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how much you pray and fast, seasons are a part of life. God's going to take you through some dry places. That's a part of it. The dry places is what helps you to appreciate the good times. But, but, but I think in the context of what that is saying is, is this, that while I may still go through seasons, the seasons do not have to be a result of the negative things that are in my heart. So if what's in my heart determines the season I'm about to go through, if, if I have been allowing things to get in my heart, if I've been allowing bitterness, if, if I've been allowing unforgiveness, if, if I've been allowing the cares of this life, if, if I've been allowing lustful things and, 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 and the pleasures of life, if I've been allowing those things to get in my heart, then God in His love and His grace and His mercy is going to try to take me through a season to work that stuff out of me. So what is in my heart determines the season. So I think if I could say it this way, it's one thing to go through some challenging and difficult seasons because that's just a part of life versus going through challenging and difficult seasons because you've got stuff in your heart that God's trying to get out. Guard. Protect the environment of your heart because what comes out? Oh, Jesus. He, he didn't say, okay, let there be elephants and lions and tigers and bears. And oh, wait a minute, I need some place for them to live. No. Oh. Let there be fish. Uh, I better do something else really quickly because if I don't do something, the fish can't live. No. 
It was in, there was a proper environment. It was a proper environment that was first prepared so that the thing that was created could live and thrive because it was in the it was in the right environment. Kind of kind of environment. I'm not talking physical per se. Even though some of you got some things in your physical environment you need to change. That was that was going back to what I'm trying to vaguely generically reference that was that was part of what the point my wife made that just really got this kind of churning in me you got there's some changes you got to make let me tell you something i'm 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 I, to the best of my ability i as a pastor i'm about trying to make this practical and down to earth i hate leaving a service where it's like man that was a great message that was powerful what does that mean? There was something really good there, but how do I apply that? Let me tell you how some of you apply this. Instead of going home tonight and getting your phone or your iPad out when you lay down or the TV that's in your room, turning it on and watching something or scrolling Instagram or Facebook until you finally fall asleep. Change your environment. Download a free Bible app. You know a good way to fall asleep when you can't sleep? Read your Bible. It's really amazing. You can lay there for hours and hours watching junk, putting it into your spirit, and stay wide awake. But all of a sudden, you try to start reading your Bible, and man, suddenly you're start, you can't even keep your eyes open. So if you're trying to go to sleep, turn off the junk and read your Bible. And change the environment. I know some of you, you, you are so, you, you are just, you live in those heavenly places and, 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 you know everything is everything is god and everything is and i know i believe that there's biblical examples and i know people there's some of you in this room i know that god speaks through dreams i know he can but i also know this and somebody needs to hear me while god can speak through dreams not every dream you have is automatically from god and i will tell you tonight that i am a there is almost not a night that goes by that I don't have a dream. I've come, I've come to a conclusion. I am a pretty intelligent guy. Because the stuff you dream about, whatever's being said in that dream has to originate from you. Right? I mean, is that not? Unless it's the devil, but it ain't the devil in my dream, so. I say some stuff in my dreams. I'm like, man, that's pretty amazing stuff. Wow. Brother Barr, I don't know what's called, but the other night I was dreaming about you, and, and you were, you, man, you were given a lesson with, with meats. 
You were talking about different kinds of meats and what's good for this and doing that. And I don't know if it was all real and right, but it sounded good. I'm before God, there's almost not a night. Sometimes I'm like, please, God, don't let me dream tonight. Because it's just, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure when you're dreaming how well you're sleeping. I dream every night. And it ain't God. You know what's interesting is most of the time, most of the time, if I can remember what I dreamed, which is give or take, but if I can remember what I dreamed, usually I can go through different parts of that dream and connect it to something that happened, something I did, something somebody else did, something I watched. Hmm. So maybe if I shut some things off, I may still dream, but it probably won't be about that. I know we all want the well, we want the magical solution. How many hundreds of times have some people come to the altar, prayed, believed God to touch them, and God touched them? But they came and got to touch with an environment that needed to change. And they never changed the environment and so nothing changed. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Can I tell you something? The power of God is not one bit less today than it's ever been. God's ability to heal your mind, to heal your body, to do anything, it's no less today. But God's not going to change your environment. You have to change your environment. And yeah, we all live in this world. What did Jesus say some of his final days, not literally final days, but nearing the end of his ministry? He said, Lord, I I pray for them. And I don't pray that you would take them out of the world. I think that's so cool when Bishop walks around and ministers. Even though he's my dad when I was younger, especially sitting on the front row, I'm like, man, I hope he'll lean on me. (laughs) He just kind of walks around. (laughs) What was I saying? (laughs) Yes, thank you. He said, Father, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world. But I pray that you would keep them in the world. You know what that means? You and I, in one context, have to learn how to live in a bubble. No, not a bubble that we are isolating ourselves from all the ungodly, unholy people. But I mean a bubble where my atmosphere is not determined by whatever the atmosphere that I'm in especially atmospheres I'm in that I don't really, you don't have, you, you can't control your work environment. Most of you aren't the boss. You're not in charge. 
So you can't dictate the environment, but you can still maintain your environment. You can still decide, you know what, there's going to be an environment here that is an environment that is going to most nurture the incorruptible seed that has been placed in my heart. Kind of, what kind of environment do you have? I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'll give an altar call and we'll pray or not because really some of this, the true application of it's not about what you do right here. Do, do you know why it's so easy for us to come in here and feel the presence of God and worship and there be a flow? You know why? The environment. It's the environment. We don't let all kinds of junk and garbage go on in here. There is an environment that is maintained. And so it's easy to come in here. We don't have to chase out devils and run off spirits. You know, back in the day when we were going to high schools every Sunday night, we'd have to spend the first little while getting the atmosphere all cleaned out because there's other stuff going on in that environment. We don't have to do that. You may not agree with me, but I'm of the opinion that we rarely really fight the devil here. There are some times where things are a little locked up and tight, but most of the time the devil is stupid to step foot in here. Of course, the devil probably never has been here. So that makes it even more the case. Why would some little demon want to show up here? When the youngest of Holy Ghost filled people in this room have enough power and authority to cast them out. I got I, well, I really shouldn't say this right now. I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't, which means I probably shouldn't. But I've been thinking about something lately, so I'll see if you'll think about it with me. We. Every now and then, my, my gold really does get pushed to the side. I, I got a question. Is there some place in the Scripture that tells us the only context of casting out devils is out of an individual? Is there any chance that you can cast out devils that are in an Just been wondering. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't and can't cast, but is that the only time you ever cast out devils? Because there's some places we go, there's some devils there. But they're not in a human being, but they're there. Some of you got some at work, and I'm not talking about your coworkers. I'm being serious. As a child of God, you don't have to put up with that. You've got a right to cast them out. The only problem is this. Oh, I'm going to try to close. I'm going to try to close. I'm going to try to close. Here's the problem. Jesus says this. The prince of this world cometh. But Here's the deal. He has nothing in me. 
There is nothing in me he can claim ownership to. Do you know why some of you are battling the way you are in your minds? You know why some of you are dealing with the depression you're dealing with? You know why some of you are dealing with the anxiety that you're dealing with? It's because the prince of this world has come and he's got some stuff in you that belongs to him. And therefore, if you've got stuff inside of you that belongs to him, he's got a right to get to it. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and he's got nothing in me. No offense, but for all but, I can't count. How many people do we have now in our household counting our married children? It was six. Now it's eight. So not counting me, it's seven. That was some challenging math there. There's basically seven people in this room right now. I love all y'all, but there's basically seven people in this room that can walk in and out of my house any time of the day or night. Because they, there's some stuff they have ownership of. And the thing they may just have ownership of is just a really great dad or father-in-law, but they got... The rest of you... If I invite you, come and come in. But you don't just freely walk in. Because there ain't nothing there that's yours. If there's nothing there that belongs to you and gives you rightful access, you are an intruder. I got a question tonight. Is the enemy an intruder? Is the enemy an intruder in your life? Because he's trying to get in some place that he has no right to be. Or is he showing up trying to get some place because there's something you've got that belongs to him. And so therefore he thinks he's got right to enter. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I said it, I think, a couple of Thursday nights ago, and I'll say it again this evening as I close. I don't think y'all need to figure out what to sing tonight. We'll be all right. I, I, I am so, I, I, I think the proper word would be disturbed. Brother Middleton, just in the last several weeks, so disturbed by people that are so caught up and wanting to live in the heavenlies that don't even know how to live one daily step at a time. All worried about being and doing this when you haven't even learned to just do this. Just walk. You want to get there? Just walk. Just protect the environment. Just just guard. Just keep. Just nurture. Just, just make sure what's supposed to be there is there. And what's not supposed to be there is not allowed to be there. In essence, you know, at the end of the day, when, when kids grow up, they, 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 they become adults. They've they got to make their own choices, their own decisions. But the bottom line is this. Every individual is impacted by the environment they grew up in. The environment, the home, the environment of that home. 
You typically you find two married people that are snarky with each other, sarcastic with each other, short with each other, put each other down in front of others. In case you don't know it, none of those things should be happening between married people. You know why they do that? Really good chance they came from an environment. And that environment produced this. The good news is the blood of Jesus is able to separate you from whatever negative environment that may have been in your past so that you can now live in a healthy, godly, wholesome environment. Oh, Jesus. Do you, some of you say... Not trying to be mean, and I am trying to quit. But some of you say, "Boy, I I, I want to live for God. I want to be used of God. I I want this to happen in my life. I want that to happen in my life." But, but what about the environment? What about the environment? Because if God does choose to put those good things in the environment, if you don't have the right environment, they cannot live. You know what, Matt? This applies to a bunch of other people, but I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say it to you. And they can apply it to them, man. I've, I've watched. I don't. I can't pinpoint when it happened. It's been, it's been months now. But man. I don't something something switched in you, something shifted. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, I think somebody said maybe it was back at school at Tyran is a year ago, I think. You know what you, you you want God to use you, don't you? I'm not setting you up, not a trick, so you're good. You, you want God to you you want God to I mean I we had the I said it this this morning, we hosted the uh Anne Arundel Community College campus uh Christmas party at our house last night. I counted about twenty-five people, and and at least two-thirds of them were were not church kids. They were from, and and there's several, but I know this guy is one of the one of the main laborers there. You got a hunger, got a desire. You know what your job is? Your job is not to try to produce all of that. Your job is protect the environment. If you'll nurture the environment, God will produce the results. If you'll protect the environment, God will do things above and beyond. We don't have them anymore. We got some here. Here we go. It's not. You can you can manufacture things that look like living things. I know all y'all thought this was real live garland, but sorry to disappoint you. you. You you can manufacture things that look real, but they don't have the same sustenance. Brother Middleton just said it, and that's absolutely right. They don't reproduce. But when you got what's real and living, and you just work on maintaining the environment, it will reproduce. I I, I got to do. I got to quit with something here. I'm gonna quit with this. And this is. I need somebody to go get me. Uh, 
I need I need two baptismal towels, Brother Lee, if you could bring those. I, I, I felt this at Matt, at pause a couple weeks ago, and and not that I've avoided it, but I guess I didn't just quite feel the right timing. Here it is. And there's, there's, I, I, this is going to sound kind of cheesy almost, but there's just something here. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of watching young people. And this is not, a, this is not to be a slur at anybody. Please. It's, it's, it's the opposite. Please, please hear me. I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of, do me a favor, just lay them out side by side. They're long ways side by side. I, I'm tired of watching people that have grown up in the church that have a chance. We've all, we're all, we're not, none of us are perfect. We've all got to make mistakes. But I am sick and tired of watching the enemy still get the best of young people that grow up in the church and, and make it. And I'm thankful for that. Please, please hear me. Please hear me. Actually, Brother Lee, I'm sorry. Put, just put that one right there next to this one. So I, I yeah, perfect. Maybe overlap slightly. I don't know if that's a special shirt or not. And and if it is, I will I will I will pay for it. I will replace it. But you know what? You you got an environment here. I don't know what all God's got, what all God wants to do, but you've got an environment. And part of the symbolism of anointing is setting things apart. It's about protecting an environment. So if it's all right with you, I'm about to do what I felt at manifest, or I keep saying manifest, what, what I felt at pause to do. Because I believe it's the will of God. You're, you're going to have to make mistakes. We all have to make mistakes. But there's some baggage some of us are having to live with, but I, I don't think everybody's got to live with. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know where God's, but you know what? You got a grandfather, and you got a father. And there's some stuff, and that's no not sliding the Ingram side because there's some great stuff on that side too. So no, no, no. But but there, there's there's some generational stuff that's flowing down, and I believe with every generation it builds and it increases, and and there's more and more, and therefore the enemy wants to do something to detract and take away from that. But I'm a I'm, I'm I believe there's an enormous do something in the physical that I believe is going to be a spiritual representation of what God is going to do in your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray tonight for the preservation and the protection of this environment. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Glenn, Brother Isaac, come down here. Put your hands on him. In the name of Jesus. Brother 
God, I pray that this environment that is pure and wholesome, God, that it would be protected and preserved in the name of Jesus. I don't feel to do it to anybody else, but if you've got an environment that you want to be preserved and protected, I open this altar. Come on, something, I haven't really felt anything all night long as I've been preaching, but something just moved in this sanctuary. There is an open door right now if you want to step through it. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the enemy wants to tell you it's not worth it to protect that environment. It's not worth it to make the sacrifices to have that environment. But I'm telling you tonight, there is no price to pay to preserve the environment that is too great of a price for what God will produce in that environment. Come on, I see some parents doing it. How about some other parents? Find your kids right now and pray for them that there would be the environment that will be the environment needed to produce what God wants to do in their lives. Come on, some of you got to make some decisions tonight. You're going to change your environment. Some of you got to make up your mind tonight. You're going to do some things to change your environment. Come on, if you'll do your part in creating the environment and maintaining the environment... God's going to do His part in producing the fruitfulness, in producing the growth, in fulfilling His promises. Come on, there's... There's some moms and dads that God is entrusting you to create an environment for those kids. Come on, there's some parents that have got some Samuels living in your house and you've got some Esthers living in your house and so you need to make an environment that is going to cause them to be able to succeed in what God has called them for.
Hatala Bohosha Ikatahaye Ilabahasata Ramanda Yatolobosatalabahaya Ilobosanda Rabaye Oh God I know David prayed it created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit but tonight, God, our prayer is create a new environment. Renew a new environment in our lives, God. Let our lives individually be the environment that is needed for the seed of your word to produce what you have intended for it to produce. Come on, if you'll do your part and create the environment and maintain the environment, God's going to do His part and produce the fruitfulness. God's going to do His part and cause the seed to blossom into what it's supposed to be.
Ikaya Rama Satayando Roboko Shay. Ikaya Ramando Lobo Satalabahaya. Come on, this is what we've sung about tonight. Come on, this is what we've sung about tonight. This is the environment necessary for that hunger to thrive. This is the environment necessary for that hunger to thrive. I've had much... I've had much, Lord, but what I need, what I want, it's more of you, more of you, more of you. I'm going to create an environment, God, where more of you can thrive. I'm going to maintain an environment, God, that's conducive to more of you. I'm going to nurture an environment, God, that welcomes more of you. I'm going to guard, I'm going to protect an environment, God, where more of you can thrive in me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ikarama shata yando roboko satama. Ikarama shata yando roboko say. Ikarama ndolobo shikatala boho satala. I 
Come on, the goal, the goal of that hunger and thirst that we sung about is not for it to be quenched. It's not for it to be filled so that we're content. The goal of that hunger and that thirst is to be deepened, to be stirred, to cause you to want more, to cause you to want to go deeper. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.